Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Over the course of their respective careers, Harley Stretton, also known as Flume, and Caroline Polachek have mastered the art of ascendance. Their newest summit is Sirens, the second single from Flume's forthcoming album Palaces. It's a track destined to shake festival grounds this summer, entwining Stretton's expertly sculpted sonic cataclysm with a heavenly incantation from Polachek. On a rare day off from her sold-out arena tour opening for Dua Lipa, Polachek and Flume connected in New York City to film a video that expands on the song's aerodynamic mythology. As Polachek suspends in midair, can she revive a petrified Flume lodged deep within the Earth's smoldering crust? Speaking to the fate of Salvatore Mackey on the set of the Daniel Askill-directed clip, Flume and Polachek discussed how ambulances, Danielle Hall, and Magic the Gathering each lent a formative hand to the creation of Sirens. Harley and Caroline, thank you again so much for having me on this hallowed occasion, on this wetland that we call Long Island City. Caroline, welcome home to thank New York. You. And uh, Harley, welcome back to the States. It's been a minute, huh? Thanks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went home for COVID for a couple, right. almost two years, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I've been back for like a month now and flew over for the shoot. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I believe the last time we spoke, it was right around when The Difference mm, was about to drop. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you were just announcing Flume and Friends at mm-hmm. Red Rocks. Yeah, that was a There's shame these, that never happened. <laughs> all these fun plans ahead. Yeah. yeah, a shame it never happened. But I suppose in the long run, it's good that you got to go back to Australia and make this record. Yeah, I mean, I've been on a speeding train for many years and COVID kind of put it to a halt. And I was able to kind of get off and focus and just kind of live life like a normal human for a bit, which was really kind of nice. Um, and it gave me space to work on these tracks. We started this one, would have been in Los Angeles. Danny yeah. gave me some parts. and Yeah, but then we finished it remote. So I worked on it some more in Australia. Well, I never got to be in a room with you working on this No, track. this one was completely remote. Because I started it with Dan. And mm-hmm. then you and Dan worked on it. Mm-hmm. And then you and Dan passed it to me. Mm-hmm. And then the circle was completed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so it was kind of passed around a little bit. There was like little bits and pieces, and then the puzzle was formed remotely. Yeah. yeah. Is this the first time you guys have gotten together since the track was made? No. Well, I guess it was finished pretty recently. Okay. We, we hung out when Harley got back to Los Angeles last month. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. You haven't left for tour yet. Exactly. Exactly. It. it was right before I left on tour. Yeah, we also worked on music like years ago as well. Yeah. Um, I've always like wanted to do something with Caroline because she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm f- glad we finally kind of got one. And um, 
yeah, I think, honestly, I think this is my favorite track on the record. Really? Like, yeah, I love it so much. That's why we got so such a goddamn big video going on. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's the best. Put your money where your heart is. Talk me through what today was like. What did you guys get into? I saw there was harnesses and a rain machine. Well, there's kind of two figures in the video. There's like the motocross biker figure that mm -hmm. Harley plays. And then there's this archangel siren creature that I play. And I love the interaction between our two characters because I'm so kind of ethereal and airbound and soft and emotional. And Harley's like kind of this petrified, you know, mechanical, potentially corpse. We don't know. And then until he's, you know, excavated from the earth and revived by music. But um, it's interesting because the figure of the motocross rider is, is going to feature throughout the entire yeah. narrative of your campaign. Yeah, yeah. But the song was named after the word sirens. But in the lyric, I'm referencing the, the cries of sirens, of ambulance sirens. But when Daniel Askin, the director, went to make the video, he was thinking sirens in terms of the mythological creature. And so he wrote it around this kind of winged creature that I'd play and sent it to me. And my first instinct was, oh, well, a siren is actually like a mermaid, right? Because that's, that's what we often think sirens are. I did my research. It actually turns out sirens are winged creatures that would lure sailors to their deaths. I didn't realize that sirens were actually winged, and neither did Daniel. So it was this weird sirens accidental inward spiral that we ended up in. And we didn't even know until a couple of days ago that Harley was going to play the part of the biker. So I don't know. Everything just kind of clicked in a really beautiful way. There's a lot of tragedy, at least in what, from what I'm bringing to the track. There's a lot of tragedy in the, in the vocal performance and in the lyrics. And it's really, a, for me at least, it's a song about like hopelessness. But then Harley brings to it this like massive tectonic wall of sound that is so environmental and so forceful. So it's almost like kind of an interplay between like a spirit and environment. Yeah, tectonic is such a beautiful yeah, way That's a good way it. to describe it. Yeah, wow. Uh, it, it, it is also, I feel like sometimes when you work with artists and do collaborations and things, sometimes I feel like it often ends up sounding like one or the other more so. Mm. But I feel like with this track, it really feels like a perfect combination of the two with your vocal, the operatic. Yeah, it just feels like a really nice pairing and it feels like really yeah it just fits really well together so i'm really happy with the way this one turned out yeah the first time i heard the track i was kind of struck by the duality of just how perfect of a collision it is given that sirens your automatic assumption like the modern definition of the siren is like the utility the call to action yes but then there is that mythological element of a siren which i feel like maybe indirectly, but I feel like your work reckons a lot with mythology and, you know, these stories. So, like, how fitting to kind of right. combine those. Not just with the music, but also, yeah, with the video of being this yeah. archangel-type creature. It's, it's perfect. I also was thinking about it. I saw a little bit of the footage of you um, that you shot earlier today with you in the air. And it was almost avian and like beautiful, which also ties into your album kind of visual campaign with all the Australian wildlife and the birds. And I was curious, I read that this album was very much inspired by Australian wildlife. What was kind of the genesis point for that? Moving back home. Yeah. Spending time doing simple stuff, you know, growing vegetables, 
walking around barefoot, just kind of being in touch with nature, listening. Uh, there's a lot of like uh, field recordings from just my house and all the birds and the rain on the roof. And yeah, I mean, Jonathan, who has done the bulk of the art for the project, he uh, lives just like 10 minutes down the road. So we got a lot of time to hang out and really chat about things and flesh out ideas. And we were both just fascinated by the wildlife, especially the birds and the bird sounds. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun to make a whole bunch of hyper-real birds and incorporate that into the campaign? Yeah. Were there any, like, memorable visitations that you can, like, think of when it comes to, like, wildlife visiting you in this, <laughs> the creation of this album? Uh, I mean, I have a snake. Uh, it's a giant python, and it lives in my roof. At one time I came home, and it was just shedding its skin just on my doorstep. And it, I kind of walked up to it and it's, it's probably like 12 foot long. And it was just like, it, it really wasn't bothered by me. They're kind of like house cats. You know, people in Australia love pythons because they're not venomous and they're very placid and docile. And um, anyway, so I got a, a python that lives with me. Sometimes I come home, it's wrapped around the door handle. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so It's pretty cool. And it's, it really is a beautiful snake as well. That's kind of a gift too. The skin, like, it's just something I can't really imagine, I guess, living here. Like, we just get visited by rats. Rats, like pigeons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't echidna that lives Rocket on the property? <laughs> echidna? An echidna. It's kind of like a porcupine, but cuter. Wow. Um, spined. My dog sometimes finds it and starts barking at it. And it just curls up into a ball and then kind of goes to sniff it and then it spikes him and then he freaks out. It's always the echidna that wins. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I'm like, I come up to him, I'm like, no, it's like, it's a friend. It's a friend. Did any animal make it onto this track specifically? Just me. <laughs> Just Caroline. You were mentioning the ambulance uh, situation with Danny. Does he, do you have any more context to that? Like how an ambulance kind of inspired the, what the beginning of this track was? So the beginning of this track was a... Uh, it's just a chord sequence with a cyclical melody. And this is actually a very signature Daniel Hall thing to do, is to write a chord sequence and a, mel and a melodic sequence that doesn't resolve, that requires going back to the beginning to give, it, so it leaves you feeling inconclusive at the end of the phrase so that you need to hear it again. And a lot of Danny L. Hall songs kind of hinge on that way of making it addictive. And it's a way of getting it stuck in your head as well, that you you need to hear it start again yeah. to kind of complete the phrase. So with the you you can't end the phrase there. You have to land it bam, and then you're back in again. It's actually true. So it's and that and that's something that he and I talk about a lot when we write is actually how the end of a phrase, what what kind of like pressure it sets up to hear something else or hear the beginning of the line again. And we had I think just made that one snippet, just one of those iterations and. Very simple, like just chords and a lyricless yeah. vocal. And then the next time I heard it was after Danny and Harley took it away and maxed it out into this yeah, big well, thing. Yeah, well, it was at the end of the session. I was with Danny and yeah. he was just like, I was like, by the way, is there anything that you got like laying around that like you haven't been using or whatever? And he yeah. was like, played me that thing. And I was like, wow, it was just a voice note with this simple chord progression. I was like, this is amazing. Like there's so much potential in here. So um, I took that home to Australia and just did the tectonic production and um, yeah. But to come back to your question about the sirens thing, when I got that track back from the two of them, I was in like deep dark lockdown and there actually were sirens going nonstop in London as people were being shuttled to the, to the 
emergency room dying of COVID. And it was a really, really scary time. And all of us, I think, collectively just felt so powerless and yeah. so like just witnesses to tragedy and in this way that's so anti, I guess, against the kind of like the way in which kind of America and pop culture paints the individual as having so much power and control and the freedom to make your dreams real and all this stuff that we're taught as individuals, you know, in the face of that kind of, that scale of tragedy and you're just hearing the, the tides and tides of sirens. It's a real reckoning to how dependent we are on each other, how small we are in the world and how interconnected we are. And I kind of wanted to bring that feeling of like humility and smallness. And it's kind of a prayer. The song is kind of a prayer. Yeah. You actually, you got sick quite early. I got sick correct? before lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-vaccine, right? Oh, way pre-vax. Yeah. But yeah. Like yeah. March or February, 2020? Early March. Yeah. It was so early that when you told me you had it, I thought it was kind of funny because <laughs> it, the world hadn't, yeah. people hadn't started dying yet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it started to unfold. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow. I think I wrote these I lyrics like maybe a week or two af after recovering from it. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. COVID-fueled lyrics. Yeah. Tremendous uncertainty to get COVID that early on and to be kind of, yeah, if, if society wasn't even locked down yet. I mean. I mean, but frankly, at that point, I wasn't even worried about myself. It was right. just like, what are we in store for? What's in we store for We didn't really us? know. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I, when I showed the lyrics to Daniel Hall, he was like, the song's got to be called Sirens. And I was like, no, it's got to be called And If, because each iteration begins with this idea, And If, if I had control, if I could change things, you know, if this was in my hands, but it's yeah. not. And if it was, but it's not. But he was like, no, mate, it's got to be called Sirens. And then so I it mean, was. Sirens is a it's strong a title. title. It's a good title. It's a strong it's title. It's a very odd, you know, it's a very like, it's a sonic descriptor. It's musical. It's a sick word. So. It's a sick word. I had to give up control on that one, but I'm glad that you guys chose it. <laughs> It's good. It feels like a declaration. Yes. <laughs> Definitely does. Um, I also, it's interesting that I started with with Danny because I did think of it as sort of DJ Ocean-esque when I first heard it. Well, I guess that's kind of where it came from, yeah. Yeah. So talk me through what the collaboration became over the course of you guys being on these like separate continents. Like, what did you sort of give and take when making this together? I mean, I just had this iPhone voice note and yeah. these chords and just went from there. I just experimented and tinkered and, you know, I usually go in not really knowing what I'm doing and just try and come up with some cool sounds. It's hard to describe, but there's a d -d 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 sound. When that happened, I was like, oh, okay, now we're onto something. And I kind of just built it out from there and, yeah, basically sent it to Caroline. Almost done, really, yeah. just with the voice note on it. So it was interesting to write lyrics on top of that. So the melody already existed, but then to to have that dynamic template kind of there to write with. But yeah, no, it was, it was very modular. Like it started me and Dan as a duo, then Harley, and then me, kind of just finishing it off. Yeah, I know it sounds kind of like cold and um, a little bit clinical, but I actually personally quite like the separation of writing like that sometimes because yeah, yeah. it gives me the opportunity to delve deep in on the production. Yeah, so, you know, COVID forced a hand, but I'm, like, again, just so happy with how the track turned out. And I just can't wait to put it out. Yeah, I also felt so far away from both of you at that time. And it was it was ironic feeling far away from Daniel Hall because we were on the opposite sides of town from each other, mm -hmm. but we couldn't see each other. Mm. 
And then you and I were on the opposite sides of the world and we had formerly been neighbors. I honestly just enjoyed it as a way of getting to hang out with you guys remotely. <laughs> so I, I mean, as a musician, I, I, I often say this, but I have more fun making, making things with friends than just hanging out with friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. Me too. The best friends are the ones you can make friends stuff with. When did you two initially become acquainted? Like, how did you meet? Back in 2014. 2014? Yeah. yeah, it was a while ago. Was it 2014? It was. Well, I think you reached out to me in 2014 and the mm -hmm. session was in 2015 or something. Right, like yeah, yeah. We did a track together for another Flume record that, that ended up on the cutting room floor, as it was destined to. But I think we were keen to do something again after that. Yeah, I mean, I was keen to make something work. That, it's funny though, because that song that never came out that we did, it has the same energy as this. Yeah, so another really about sad it. one. It's sad and it had this long drawn out epic kind of chords and you had the, yes, it was, it's quite funny to, to see we ended up making something pretty similar, but. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, wow. What was it called, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, it was just a file name. Okay. Yeah, I, don't uh, I don't even remember what it was called. It wasn't as strong as this though, so. <laughs> How did the mutual fascination with magic cards come about? Our friend Alaska Reed grew up playing magic and she got A.G. Cook into it. And then whilst living with the two of them in LA, I got into it or I got kind of forcefully pulled into playing Magic the Gathering with A.G. in Alaska at like 4 a.m. That was around the time that Harley and I reconnected in LA. And I mentioned to him I'd been playing a lot of magic with AG in Alaska. And Harley was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, magic? Because I hadn't thought about it in 10, 15 years. Right. I used to play as a kid at school. When she mentioned that, I was I got real excited. And, and you were like, bring some decks around. I think actually I went home and got decks on the spot yeah. and came right back to your yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you went and got decks and it was so fun. <laughs> it was so nostalgic, just like looking at the cards. Like, yeah. Oh my God, I remember this, yes. And then Harley ended up becoming like LA's premier Magic the Gathering host. We started playing just group games yeah. at his house all the time. I've got this like great huge carpeted area um, with cushions and stuff. And um, yeah, that became the gathering. Yeah. And then, yeah, every week we'd kind of all meet up and play cards. And it was just, it's a nice way to socialize, you know, not at like a bar or something, but something fun to do. That, you know, yeah, definitely. It's quite a niche thing too, and to have like, so many friends that play it all of a sudden. I had none and then all of a sudden I had all these friends that played Magic. It's incredible. And I'd known AG, but I just didn't know, I'd known him for years, but I didn't know he was um, into Magic like that, so. I feel like it tracks. It tracks, it, it tracks. totally tracks. It definitely it's tracks. a bunch of fucking nerds sitting on a carpet. We look at it and you're like, yeah, this makes sense. I love it, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, reject modernity, embrace tradition, embrace, <laughs> embrace Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Caroline, I also wanted to ask you, you know, there's always intention behind your visuals. And I kind of wanted to talk about the headspace you've been in recently with Billions, specifically, you know. That video is great, by the way. Thank you. It's so cool. It's an insane video. Yeah. And, you know, there's all of this Dionysian imagery. There's the grapes, there's the wine, there's the cornucopia, the ants crawling about. Talk me through the story and, and how you got there. Well, this is actually a really difficult one to put together. Even just to get the treatment locked down for it took so much talking and thinking because it really came right out of the music. I wanted it to look the way the music felt, which to me was like, first of all, the song has like seven verses in it. It's this, actually not, not dissimilar from Sirens. It's this 
cyclical melody that just you keep getting pulled back into over and over and over again that eventually drops off the edge into a children's choir that is still cyclical and kind of takes you off into the sunset. But there's this kind of feeling of like drippy decadence and opening and like affirmation in the song. And I was just thinking a lot about like abundance. And for me, like the grapes and the vine are like the most eternal symbol of abundance, like sugar made by the sun coming out in the form of these like jewel objects that you can make into this red liquid that gets you drunk. It's like the most, you know, beautiful visual metaphor for like energy and intoxication and vitality. So just kind of centered around those shapes and those colors and that that idea of kind of opening. And me and my co-director Matt Copson came up with a series of five scenes that would never get chopped up. It's not the traditional music video of like, take a bunch of scenes, chop them all together, call it a day. It's, it's very linear. Um, where we move from the harvesting of the grapes, I stomp them into wine, I wash it off my body, I reappear beautifully dressed, serving the wine into these alien wine glasses, and then I serve it to little kids as I read them this like parable of humanity's newfound disconnection from nature, which actually is echoed in this project as well, which is kind of interesting. I wrote a little book that I read to them at the end, um, which is admittedly like me aping Carl Jung, but just talking about how all these kind of symbols that have been so embedded in mythology throughout time have been based on nature, like knowledge is the shape of a snake, power takes the shape of lightning or thunder, disease is a moralizing force, all these things that, that aren't the new symbols that are shaping our subconscious and our new mythologies are no longer natural. They take the shape of the phone icon or certain emojis or the shape of a battery or, you know, the, the new symbols are no longer ones that are rooted in, in nature. And we're at a kind of turning point right now where as artists, we get to kind of decide what the new symbolic landscape will be, which is a really exciting one. And so as I'm getting the kids drunk on the wine I've made them, I'm, I'm teaching them that you know, the newness is the newness. They are the gardeners of the, the new landscape, essentially. That last shot is so striking when it's just one shot just of like the glowing orb around your face and just like, it's an image that lasts. I did want to talk about, I mean, you guys have a mutual collaborator on this record, the endlessly enchanting OK Lou, whose voice opens the whole project. How did that collaboration kind of come about? How did you get Mary Lou on the record? Funnily enough, that also began as a Danny thing. A session with Danny in the UK, uh, we started some stuff and that chord progression came about and um, I kind of took that back to Australia, worked on some more production and um, had it in this kind of song structure. And I, I'm just, I was just a huge fan of OK Lou and hit her up on Instagram. I was just like, hey, do you want to do something? And she got back and she's like, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I just, I just sent her this kind of music bed of just the chords, really. Actually, you know what? I sent her like five different things, and then that was the one she picked. And yeah, she just sent back this incredible top line that I was just over the moon with. But then I kind of just massaged that in a bit and then went back and forth a few times with lyrics and stuff. And uh, yeah, that one was completely remote. I still haven't met her. I also haven't met her and I'm dying to. I like did an, an interview with her a long time ago mm -hmm. and I believe in her work so much. Like she is such a 
incredible artist. And what a what a palatial way to open palaces <laughs> with that voice. By the way, how did that name for the record come to be? Well, it was really about moving back and feeling more at home than I had in the past 10 years. It felt like just this simple existence, this space, uh, this place I live, which is, it's in the countryside. It's, you know, again, just very simple life. Uh, and it kind of started to feel like my palace, you know, I've got a lot of like lawn to mow and like the gardens to take care of. And yeah, it's just a really um, beautiful spot. And it, yeah, just, it felt like my palace. And I was like, let's call it palaces. <laughs> master of his domain. <laughs> Speaking of palaces, Caroline, I'd be remiss to not mention that you're playing Madison Square Garden tomorrow night. Yes. That is a tremendous moment uh, for a New Yorker. Huge. Yeah. Is that your first time? Yes. Wow. This is huge. It's. I'm so excited. Yeah? This is, because I'm on tour with Dua Lipa for two months, and this is definitely like the show that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. Do you have any New York-specific pre- or post-show rituals that you're going to be engaging in this time? I mean, normally I would put together an after-party because I have so many very dear friends here, but I have to be very careful, unfortunately, this time around with COVID. So my mom uh, is coming out, which is always going to be special. And Daniel Harl is coming out. Wow. So the three the boys on Sirens yeah. crew is going to be out watching the Duo yeah, show yeah. tomorrow at MSG. But no, I think we're keeping a pretty low profile. Also, we have a show the next day in DC, so gotta save my voice and be a good girl that night. But right. I'm extremely stoked for the show. Oh, it's gonna be magical. I'm so excited for you. And, and speaking of live, how do you guys imagine this song will play out live? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Well, we're gonna play it at Coachella. I'm very, very excited. I feel like it was made for a large, place to be played through a large sound system. Actually just watching Caroline get hoisted up in the air before I was watching her on the screen and I was hearing the music and I was like thinking about how you were like, amazing we, we, we this hoisting? is going to be. You're going to hoist me on stage? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go. You. You let's get go. We'll figure that out. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, no, really excited. We're actually to... getting a team of 10 foot long Cobras to do the hoisting. Mm -hmm. They have crew passes. Yeah, I'll rally some, yep. you know. Should be easy. Australia. Wow. He's got connections. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah, On the just before I left to come on tour, there was a huge python on the road and I kind of stopped because I didn't want to run it over because it stretched the entire length of the road. And I pulled over and then some guy pulls up behind me. He's like this old farmer dude. And he's like, oh, there's a python on the road. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's just sitting there. like, And he's like, oh, no worries, mate. And he just goes up to it and he grabs it by the tail and he just like flings it into the bush. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit him up and he'll help us get his hands on some, some snakes. That's your hookup. That's He's the got hook the plug. Yeah. He's got plug. the plug. Wow. Well, my jaw is clenched and my teeth are grinding at the thought of it. <laughs> so thank you guys so much again for having me out here today. I really appreciate it. Thank so you excited for, for Sirens. Us.
That was Caroline Polacek and Flume talking to the fader Salvatore Mackey. Flume's new album, Palaces, is out on May 20th by a future classic. This week's episode of the Fader interview was engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfan. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. If you like listening to The Fader, good news. We're now on the new live audio app, AMP. Download it from the App Store and check out new shows with the access code FADER on AMP. That's all one word. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then.